Hey guys, just want to take a minute for our sponsor, J4 Flower Horns. If you are sitting in front of your aquarium wondering why you're no longer enjoying it, well, number one, you may not see them, so clean the glass, but two, you know, bring a piece of the extreme to your tank. Have some fun. Go to j4flowerhorns.com. He not only has amazing award-winning flower horns you can get nowhere else, but also extreme fish like Bashirs, Platinum Bashirs, Albino Arowana. He even has blue eye, bristlenose placos, King Kong Parrot Cichlids. What do you guys want? Go there. Go now. Find yourself some extreme for your tank and get 10% off while doing it. Go to j4flowerhorns.com and use promo code AquariumGuys at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Also, to celebrate J4 and Flowerhorn sponsoring the show, uh, we put out a little love. Go to our merch store. You'll see it in the show notes. It's the Aquarium Guys merch line. And we have added a new line of merch saying, I love cock. Now, cock, K-O-K, is the ball on the front of a flower horn. So certainly check out the silly new merch line. Love for you to uh, pick some up. It certainly helps the show. And, uh, you know, certainly at mention J4 Flowerhorn on social media. Uh, just to let him know that you love cock uh guys keep the stories coming in we want to do a user submitted story time for story time four certainly send those in you can send them to the aquarium guys podcast website at the bottom of the page you will find our contact method you can email it to us you could send it a text message you know whatever is most comfortable for you hell you could even send us a audio recording of you telling the story but send those in and let's kick that podcast <laughs> I uh, I saved this whole British bit, Jimmy, because we were going to have a sturgeon farmer on, but he, he doesn't realize that he had to use internet and he has to have a microphone to join the podcast. So uh, I, I don't know how to spell prerequisites to people better nowadays. I'm uh, kind of giving Technical up, Technical difficulties. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to join the podcast. How? Well, here's, you need a microphone. I don't have that. Okay, next. So uh, it's us tonight, guys. I'm your host, Rob Zolson. And he's a fine example why you shouldn't run your microwave with the door open. And I'm Jim Colby, the voice of reason. And I'm Adam el and I know a guy. <laughs> Suck it. I, I need a... <laughs> I actually need a catchphrase because I feel like that's insulting. It is. That was insulting. Don't run the microwave with the door open. Well, speaking it's messing of, with your head. Speaking of insulting, you yes. know, we have a few different options that we've kind of jiggled around for uh, backup plans when our guest decides to not have internet or microphone. And nobody liked my idea. Uh, I, I wanted to go streaking, and nobody said everything. Yeah, but this is an audio podcast. I know. As much as I'd hold a microphone up to your dong, no, I don't think it no, would talk. We don't, we don't say that. I don't think it would talk. Uh, so, guys, we're going to be talking about ethics in our hobby. Uh, the one topic that you probably would never guess would come from this podcast. But uh, we're going to hit it anyway because, you know, why not? 
do it before we uh, lose money, right? Have we made money yet? I don't think no, so. No, but I feel like uh, we're going to get something tonight. So, guys, we, we need to get into the news. Uh, Adam, I feel like we should have like a, a broadcast thing. Uh, welcome to For This World News. Uh, tonight's top story uh, by Adam Elgenshar. Adam, how's it going? Pretty good. And the top story? They found out that cuttlefish can pass a test, a cognitive test that human children and maybe even you can't pass yet, Robs. Exactly. Wait. No. Is it how to put members into a small opening? No. It is the memory test. It's called the marshmallow test. And it's it's a cognitive test that so far, I think, whales, elephants, corvids, so that's like crows and stuff, dogs maybe, and apes can all wait because they know that they'll get something better later on. So like like a reward or, or... Yeah, it's like, so basically you tell a kid... I'll give you one marshmallow now, but if you wait five minutes, you get two marshmallows or five marshmallows. And cuttlefish waited like 15 to 30 seconds, which is pretty good for a cuttlefish. And they can actually pass that cognitive test. Can you pass that cognitive test, Robs? Well, look at him. He, he waits like four days and gets 3,000 marshmallows and eats them all at the same time. <laughs> it's unfair, all right? This no, test is true. bullshit. I have diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> They did this. They did this on purpose. No, it's not well, fair. You know, but I'll be the first one there to help cut off your leg. Oh, I'm right. sorry, that was insensitive. Was it? Yeah, <laughs> we'll forgive you. Yeah. I did not expect that to be the top story. But do you have anything more? Um, We're gonna make Adam do the news each week. That's what we should do, right? Well, okay, that'd hey, be awesome. There we go. There, Adam's Start coming up with shit. Adam's now gonna do the news. We'll get a news reel in here, and we'll make it happen. So, Adam, what else is in the news? That was all that I paid attention to oh, because I was just it, it rhymed to zebra. It. it rhymed to zebra. It's zebra. What about zebras? Or oh, zebras. Come on, Adam. We talked about this all last week. Yes, yes, we did. Zebra mussels. Oh yeah, the zebra mussels. Wow! <laughs> thanks for showing up, my friend. My goodness. <laughs> Holy zebra God. mussels were found in moss balls yes, at Petco's. All across, 26 states so far. Yeah, I was going to say, not just Petco's, but Petco's were probably the ones that were most affected. Okay. Apparently, that was traced back to a Ukrainian supplier. Yeah. Well, you that know, was their first problems, and you can never trust the Ukrainians. On oh, anything. yeah. Let's make them mad now, Adam. Right. We, we have <laughs> such a fan base in Ukraine. You know, if, if you pull up uh, zebra mussels... On Wikipedia, it says that they started in Russia, in the Ukraine, and stuff. So it makes total sense that that's that that's where they came from. And it's mostly the ones that you see in the pint container at your local big box stores. Yeah, they're they're prepackaged. They're not just loose moss balls and aquariums that they'll scoop for you. That's why it's really targeted at Petco because that, that's the ones Petco really focuses on yeah and our local dnr in north dakota minnesota are all going around to all the different pet stores and they're checking them out the particular place where i get mine from they got the the green light so they had no issues with theirs but they have a a different way but what i found out is that when they get their moss balls in they keep them in a refrigerator in no water at 45 degrees for uh, up to two weeks before they even send them out to try to eliminate any pests that might be in there. Moss? Will that really kill zebra survive? mussels, though? No, I don't think it kills zebra mussels, but you know, it was just something they've been doing for uh, different parasitic things that may get in them. I was going to say, with zebra mussels, that's actually the DNR's method, is letting the boat dry. You take weeds off of it, and it's just, that's just a, a measure for all invasive species. You let your boat sit and dry at least for five days. Yeah, and what they're, what they're telling people is that you either need to take your moss balls out and actually put them in the freezer for a few days... Or else take and boil them, but not just to take them, throw them, or flush them down the toilet, especially because zebra mussels have been known to take over 
Sewers. Sewers and piping systems and stuff in cities and stuff cause huge damage. So if you wow. have a moss ball, the first thing you want to do is go take a, a look at it, kind of squeeze it and open it up a little bit because these zebra mussels have been inside the moss ball. Here at the Aquarium Guys podcast, we want to do a public service announcement to let you know to squeeze your balls. Well put. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that didn't that didn't go over like you wanted. Yeah, to. no, that wasn't funny. <laughs> that went over exactly how I wanted it. So uh, forget you guys. So any other news from you, gentlemen? No, I don't got nothing. My whole week involved the zebra mussel thing. I actually got questioned over at my store by somebody who may have been a DNR. I was over there pulling them all, and she goes, I want to buy one. I said, they're not for sale. And she seemed really kind of mad, but uh, I wouldn't sell her one. I said, you know, just out of respect for this whole thing, I'm going to pull them, even though these have been cleared. And uh, we're taking them off the market for the time being and stuff. So if you've got some, be careful. It's a genius plan of yours, Jimmy. Number one, you're not encouraging selling of a product that may or may not be infested, even though it was cleared. And then also, you now have a wonderful stock of clean zebra, uh, zebra-free mussels on your uh, moss balls. There's none there. So when everybody decides to destroy their moss balls, you're going to have your own limited supply. Yeah, of, price just went up 10 of times. $50 moss balls. That's right, at least. So uh, Really? I'd have made them 100 bucks, but okay. Wow. Know your margin. You That's know, all we're saying. And and here's, here's the whole thing. We're, we're we're going to do this podcast on ethics, and Adam sell them for 100 bucks. You're selling them for 50 and I'm just keeping them for myself. So who's the good guy here? Hey, after everything is cleared, we might do a giveaway. No, we're not giving it One ball. No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> Out of air of caution, I'm just going to sit on mine, and uh, until I hear otherwise from the DNR, they are not going anywhere. I have had my moss balls probably for three and a half years without getting any new ones. So I have a tank full of moss balls that I'm just staring at going, sure, I'm glad I didn't buy any. That's right. So you should just go ahead and give everybody out your address, and we'll invite everybody over here to check out your balls. It's per Minnesota. <laughs> wow. The DNR will be here just like that. Yeah, Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Mandy will be here from the DNR, Minnesota. Hi, Mandy. I have news. Really? Uh, I hope it's good news. Well, I, I think, did we announce last podcast that I'm having a child? Yes. Okay. Well, you aren't. Well, you're right. Your lovely wife is having a child. She's better at it than you, I am. You really didn't help all that much, to be honest. I've been trying for years, and I just keep getting this gut and doesn't do anything for no, me. No. So we'll uh, keep working at it. But I've got a 1952 Ford F3 pickup with a V8 flathead. And you know what we call that? Uh, midlife crisis? A big paperweight. Hey, I got it running Sunday. Oh, did you get it running? Okay. I, I got it running Sunday. So uh, pretty tickled. Although the carburetor spewed gasoline all over the whole thing, and I started a fire. But besides that. Besides the fire. Surprised. Yeah. Uh, we got it out right away. No that, that explains the, the short hair. But I did have to get new seals on it. So uh, lots of weird random hunting for parts. Sounds like a make-work project to me. I'm pretty excited. So, Jimmy, we, we have a couple reviews that I want to go over before the two questions we have. Number one, <laughs> might I say... Two of my favorite reviews yet. Uh, review one, one star. The title <laughs> is Casually Misogynistic. I couldn't get through five minutes of this garbage. I Honestly, I have one rebuttal for this. That we're professionals? Casually misogynistic? We're three dudes bored that can't go out to the bar because of COVID. What do you think this is going to be? We're not going to do it on purpose, right? We're married people, and we're not real terrible, but this is a bit of a, a bro deal, and we understand. We, a, a what? A bro deal. A bro deal. Uh, no, a bro deal. Although, bro deal, that makes it sound like some sort uh, of like, like I, a, I need better boots. No, a bro deal sounds like a, like a bunch of brothers at a rodeo. You know, like a bunch of rednecks sitting okay, at a rodeo. For, for lack I of like a better brodeo. term, bro deal. Yeah, there we go. This is a bro deal. 
And we definitely need some more female uh, inspiration in the podcast. Yes, we'd like to have some females on this podcast. If you have a radio voice, you like fish, contact us. We'll have you on as a regular, you know. Uh, we don't pay especially because Adam's getting upgraded the news, so we need a, we need Adam's <laughs> position filled. Adam went up to the the newscast desk. He's the newscast. Oh, so desk. I, okay. He's been upgraded, so now we have the vacancy of uh, the guy that knows knows something. Knows somebody. <laughs> that doesn't go away. Um, no, it never gets old. Uh, it's gonna. And so we got one star. We're gonna get was that from lo- that one? Was that as low as they could give us? That I think is yes. Well, hell, I'll take that. That was a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, what episode did they listen to? Like, I'm surprised. I want to know what episode they listened to. Probably the one where Rob's is old man crudging. I mean. Or is it the one where you're talking about throwing dildos in somebody's tank? That or, could be it. Like, or, or the one where you're just rambling it. about nonsense? That's every episode. You, yeah. Yeah. So uh, next uh, review is actually five stars. Great info. It says, came across this podcast the last summer. It's awesome fun. This is from Minnesota, and I am from there as well. Well, that's why he gets it. Just he gets it. Right. Just got into the aquariums two years ago. I'm young-ish, 25, and looking for ways to keep and get more people into the hobby. Question, how come Adam is not announced at the beginning of the podcast? Yeah. So we're going to upgrade that. Are you going to? Well, I was like, can we pay the guy to say three names? So instead, I'm pretty sure with the new intro, we're just going to be like... No names, and then we're all even. Adam's got three names. Adam Elnishar. Well, if you go in the... Just three names right there. You know what? You should, right. you should do the damn podcast. It's just Adam Elnishar, and just skip our names. Well, if you go to the Discord, my moderators had a lot of fun with this. So if you go to the rules of our Discord, and Discord is actually where we do this podcast live, people. We have rules? Uh, we do. So yeah. we come to the Discord, go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com. On the bottom of the website, you'll find our Discord, and you can come join the debauchery. We do these podcasts about 7 o'clock Central on Mondays. About is used loosely. Uh, it is. We start at 7, 7.15. I'll look at 7.30. If you go to the rules, it'll say here, Welcome to the official Adam Elnashar and the Aquarium Guys Discord server. This Discord is for Adam Elnashar and the Aquarium Guys so clearly, they thought it was funny enough to put Adam as the featured headliner well, above us. It's from Bob Ross. Right. So Bob's been dead for years. Thank you, Bob Ross, for uh, changing that to the Adam and the Aquarium Guys Discord server. Uh, so I yes. want an official Bob Ross painting. Does anybody know where I can find one of those? I, I have long stories about Bob Ross paintings, so whenever you're ready, I'll tell you about them. Secretly, there's a <laughs> Jimmy Nude Bob Ross painting. No. But no, we need to get that fixed. We need to get uh, Adam... Uh, Adam Upgrade, especially now with his new title as a head of news. So we Is that the only hookup that you don't have, Adam? What? Getting an, an official Bob Ross painting. Well, yeah, how do you not I know a guy? It, because it's not I, illegal. That's why. That's right. <laughs> oh, never mind. So, Wait, are they illegal to own? No. I, I'll okay. t- I, I am a big, <laughs> big, big Bob Ross fan. I love Bob Ross. And uh, Bob Ross started out, he was in the military up in Alaska, and that's when he started drawing all the happy clouds and, and crazy trees and stuff. And he would do an entire season, an entire season, in two days. They would come in Here's- there... Wow. They would come in there in the morning and they would do episode after episode after episode after episode. And they would do this for two or three days and do the entire season. And at the time, he, was, he wasn't getting paid anything from, from PBS and wasn't making any money. But could see that he could get a brand going with his Bob Ross tutorials that he would do. Every one of those episodes, he did three paintings. He did one before, which he kept off to the side so he could look at it. And then he painted the one he saw on TV. And then he did a final third one 
to uh, give to a local PBS station. See, I thought it would be like a speed run. Like you're a video gamer, you try it once, you do it alive, and then you do it for the record to see how fast you can go. Yeah. And so anyway, he was so good at cranking these things out. A lot of these were given to the PBS stations, the local ones, and they would put them in their lobbies and whatnot. But to find one, an actual Bob Ross one, I have found two in the last year. They run anywhere between ten dollars to $15,000. Holy shit. Yeah. And, and there was always a question about where did all these paintings go? Because there's no way that they're all gone. Well, there was just an interesting, PBS had a special on it. One of the family members has all of them in a warehouse. And I want to, I want to say it was like up on the East Coast somewhere. And they have them. I know a guy from the East Coast Warehouse District. There okay. you go. So you might want to give him a call. Oh. So there is a lot of uh, a lot of Bob Ross paintings just sitting there. Uh, there is two or three that are in the Smithsonian and stuff. And, really? Uh, yeah. And so if you love Bob Ross, there's a great documentary on PBS or on YouTube and stuff. And a very interesting dude. And the reason he had that crazy perm is that he was so broke in the beginning that rather than be able to pay for a haircut, he got a perm, which then would last for, you know, three, four months, which he could skip two haircuts. He was so disappointed in himself that he did that because when they started out with all the Bob Ross tutorials and stuff and every item that they sold had his picture on so he had to keep that afro for the rest of his life and it just drove him insane and if you look too when Bob is doing a painting on his left hand he's missing a finger or two and that's the one he holds with the easel and that happened I think in the military if I remember right but yeah Bob Ross cool dude huh the coolest of dudes I really wish he would have done an aquarium painting or a fish painting but it's always just happy little trees. Yeah, and I think there's only, they said one or two, maybe three that had an actual person in the painting. They never put any people in the painting. Interesting. So there you go. The there, only, there's your Bob that, Ross fact for the day. That's good to know. I, I know I'm not even going to bother saying because then I might as well have to edit that one out. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Yeah. That you're you're growing as a uh, podcast host and a CIA agent. You got another question, Rob? Or are you just gonna sit here and <sighs> no? I, I just want to warn you guys. This podcast again uh, to talk about ethics. I'm trying to come uh, up with some ethics. No, what's the word when you try to waste time? at uh, these events like you're trying to uh filibuster right i'm trying to filibuster the topic but i have an honest reason to filibuster so for those listening please skip ahead quite a ways if you're looking for the the topic of ethics we're going to go through a a few long questions because it's been a while since we've done some of these number one we have brian says i just wanted to say thanks for the start of the podcast Makes my workday more enjoyable. I'm actually going to read this from my phone. So it's easier. I'm trying to keep it private so the Twitch stream doesn't see it as well. So, again, from the top, just want to say thanks to start. Your podcast makes workday so much more enjoyable, as well as my hobby, uh, knowledgeable as well. Been listening since episode two or three. Have used all your advice for amateur breeding and angel breeding and re-listened to those episodes to death. Uh, this story is about a intermediate level angel breeder and a big mistake. It goes into detail. I have been raising angels for about a year at this point. Brought a bonded pair of blue marbles that have been raising fry to sell to sale size as well, growing out gold marbles to pair off. My golds had paired and laid eggs sooner than expected. They are just over a half dollar size and less than eight months old. Of course, my blues laid eggs at the same time as well, so I figured I was ready for a double clutch. Here... I am hard water, so eggs have to be pulled at a low PPM tank to keep them viable within four hours of laying. 80% distilled water, 20% tank slash tap water. I decided that this double clutch midsummer was perfectly in line to supply my local fish store all winter. Then, and then some, sorry guys, it's, it's rather uh, rough written. 
enough supply for my fish store all winter and then some so i went in for it okay it's just lacking commas and i i'm clearly epileptic so he, he basically thought he had enough fish to supply his pet store for the rest of the winter right right okay i was happily raising 500 to a thousand fry in a five gallon i had reach about the smallest size you can tell that it's an angel fish daily water changes and double prime was keeping up at this point i started noting burns from ammonia not being um covered as I covered fast enough and ready to move them into a large grow tank. In my haste and excitement, I started scooping one centimeter angels onto the large hang-on acclimation containers. I had three of these just stocked with my angels and too many to count. Moved them to the larger grow out and started to see a 10 minute timer to acclimate the temp. Stepped out of my room and the timer went off. Pretty sure I went to smoke. Walked back at the 10 minute mark and all three acclimation containers were no longer full of swimming fish. Instead, their bottom was one third of solid sleeping fish in apostrophes completely spaced oxygenation for the containers 90 percent of them were all co2 gas and passed out slash dead at this point i drained the five gallon tanks into a water bucket tossed in a double air stone started dumping angels as fast as possible luckily some began to bounce back as soon as they hit the oxygenated water however most didn't i ended up with about one third of around 200 surviving i stopped counting the dead fish at 50 and this was a one-fifth of the pile in hindsight would have been more than i could have dealt with long term as i have been struggling with the remaining stock six months later have plenty of angels going out a dozen plus a week with no end in sight so he provided a picture rather familiar picture for us jimmy yeah i'll show you some pictures from last week Uh, last week yep well i guess loss does feel better when someone else shares it so what did you lose jimmy oh you're sharing a picture of what are those uh two inch angels medium-sized angels medium-sized angels gone ordered ordered some from one of my suppliers and came in all dead poof it happens to the best of us and remember that you have oxygenation that you need to keep, especially in buckets. I think every beginner deals with that as an issue, trying to keep a bunch of different fish in the same tank. If your heat is raised, know that your water does not keep oxygen in the water near as well as cold water. And you can't have some of these fish like angels in cold water. So you have to keep stones on them even when acclimating them. You know, I want to point out just the obvious that I've been... I've been so guilty so many times myself, but the phrase has been coined by my buddy Ty, who says, always hedge your bet. And so if you've got a thousand angelfish in, in a grow-out tank, you probably should have six or eight grow-out tanks. So if you lose one tank, you don't lose the whole kibosh. And I've been guilty of that too. You know, you get lazy, they've all done fine all together in a small tank, so they'll all be fine in this bigger tank. But after you get that many angelfish in there eating and pooping and stuff, it's hard to keep up with the water changes and whatnot. And I've I've walked away from a huge tank full of angelfish like that, and I was going to do a water change on a Monday night. I thought, well, I'll do it Tuesday when I come back, and I get there Tuesday, and they're all gone. So you can never stress enough about doing doing a water change or even having a drip system when you have that many fish in a tank. Yeah, hedging the bet uh, definitely helps. Generally, when I'm trying to prepare for breeding, I have to have grow-out stations. You can easily have a clutch happen anywhere, but you need to know how many you're going to have and what your success rate is to be able to know how to hedge it. I have a 90-gallon filled to the brim with Placos. They breed in there, and I probably have a 50% success rate dumping 
Playco's in there. I have to overfeed continually to keep up with the stock. And then I need an outlet because there's no way I can brood much past an inch on Playco's. So I'm lucky to have Jimmy being able to pump those out to different grow out stations and depending on size directly to stores. If I didn't have that, I would easily have to have probably 20 15 gallon tanks just to grow all these out in different batches to hedge my bet. You know, and always the other thought too is everybody goes, I can't afford another 20 gallon tank this week. Think about it this way. You got a thousand angelfish there. Even if you're getting a buck a piece, that's a grand. You can afford an extra three or four tanks if you want to get your money back. And don't be and afraid. Dr. Fish always says you can get more tanks. Right. That's right. Dr. Fish, Dr. Fish says it, that, that's it's, accurate. It is actually. Dr. Fish is on next week. He is. So yes. if you're uh, looking for something fantastic next week, Dr. Fish from Secrets Farms will be on to answer all your questions. But don't feel bad. Been there. Uh, even in situations where I begged fish, uh, had a customer tell me, oh, it's just 30 minutes to their house. Uh, I said, okay, there's oxygen in the bag, but this bag is bagged so densely, I don't have any other bags. You, you can't go any past the 30 minutes. Well, sure enough, they decided to go out to eat and let's stop here and go shopping. And they got home and their fish were dead. Right. I mean, it happens uh, to everybody. You just got to do your homework, hedge your bet, and don't feel bad. Those, uh, those are beautiful angelfish, and you still got quite a few. Most people, when they're doing it, if they're a decent breeder, if they can do 50%, even to 25%, to medium-sized growth. So y- you did it, in my opinion. Yeah, don't lose, don't lose faith. Keep on trucking. Keep on doing it. You know, another thing, uh, as the weather warms up, I know there's a lot of people that, that keep fish and also lizards and whatnot. In my store, we sell two to 3,000 crickets. And it's a small community where, where my store is at. Two to 3,000 crickets a week. And I, I tell people, even on Friday, uh, the weather here in Minnesota is getting nice. And I said, you know, we're going to put in your, your 30 crickets in a bag. Are you going straight home? She goes, yes. And I said, when you go home, I said, make sure if you, when you lay it on the front seat, you throw your jacket over it. And she goes, well, I was going to leave it open so the sun could keep them warm. I said, the sun will fry them in a matter of minutes. And I've had customer after customer after customer that have come back and said, yeah, they're all dead and I get home. And I always ask, did you have them sitting on the seat in the sun? Well, yeah, to keep them warm. So try to listen to your to your your people at your stores and stuff when they give you a little bit of advice like that. I replace crickets uh, way too often. And I don't like to. It doesn't make me any money, but it makes my customers happy. So, you know, it doesn't take long for something to go wrong in a bag or an aquarium or anything like that. So always... Uh, I want to say, if I think that a, a bag of... Like if you put a dozen crickets in a, one of those little fish bags, Jim. Yep. I think less than... In, in the sun, even on a cold day... 10 minutes tops yeah absolutely because that that little bag is nothing but a what a greenhouse and it shoots mm-hmm. up to 100 degrees in there and it fries your little brains and we don't want that to happen i just got the craziest uh, alien sci-fi picture in my brain next question is uh from rex from australia hey guys what on earth is this and he sent us a picture if you guys want to participate go to the discord adam it is in podcast live chat uh there's a picture we see some placo tubes I'm going to actually, you know, go forensically zoom in on this one. I'm assuming he means this thing down here. It looks like a leech, kind of. Do they have leeches in Australia? Oh, I'm sure they do. I, I, I would assume. It's it's some sort of parasitic thing, I tell you that. See, the, here's what really throws me for a loop, right? It's shaped like a like a leech, but I also see like a, a mouth here. Like it could have been a baby fish or something. Could, could it be a fry? It's really hard to see. Is this the belly? Is this the top? I think more angles at the object would help. But first thought is it's some 
yeah, some sort of parasite like a leech, but you don't see white or blonde leeches. So, yeah, without knowing what else he has in the tank, but seeing that he's got pleco caves. I see a mono, or it looks like ghost shrimp or mono shrimp. They look like ghosts, actually, yeah. I don't think they have ghost shrimp in a, in Australia because they're pretty limited on what they're allowed to bring into the country. Well, this, this shrimp here that he has is pretty... Spotted, which you don't really see a whole lot on a mono shrimp, and you, you don't see the full big body. So it looks like it could be ghost. Yeah, though, any more information, I don't think it's, it's going to be kind of hard to make a decision what that is. We'll see what the community says. Yeah. So certainly follow through, go to our Discord. I'm sure somebody's seen it before out there, so just let us know what it is. What else you got, Robs? I have... Scoliosis? Uh, Matt emailed us. Says, been listening to you guys for a while and love it. Doom to Fail episode was a great dose of reality. Again, I need to go do this on my phone. I need to learn learn better here. Is that that whole episode that we talked about in my first marriage? Uh, yeah, Doom to Fail. Yeah. Absolutely. Doom to Fail episode, great dose of reality. Could see this one as a series. For me, I have... <laughs> They apparently know that we suck and we fail a lot. Yeah, so maybe we have to do this more often. For me, I have two DTF to add. I'm not sure what that is. Doomed to fail. Doomed to fail. Oh, yeah. It's our own little acronym. Shit, I'm high. Brackish tanks, (laughs) let's face it. Brackish fish are either monster fish species or there's a whole list that he lists that are either monster species, monos, scats, archers, Colombian sharks, datnoids, species, puffers, bumblebees, gobies, mudskippers, or fish that do just fun in freshwater mollies, rainbows, or priscilla tetras. There are only very few brackish fish that will live a full cycle in anything 55 or less. Other one... Bumblebee gobies. He listed bumblebee gobies, but apparently he listed under a other line of species that doesn't necessarily belong in a normal tank. I don't know why he would assume that one for bumblebee gobies, but anyways, we'll continue. The other one is what I like to call Noah's Ark Community Tank. You go to the pet store, buy a 29-gallon setup, and you buy two feeder goldfish, two mollies, two angelfish... Three neon tetras, ooh, you splurged, and two banana plants. <laughs> and just to top it all off, a cute Jack Dempsey and one of them, their algae eaters. The angles, or excuse me, the angles, the angels, he wrote angles, and mollies die by day two. The neons stay hidden behind the plant, and on two weeks, the Jack Dempsey has killed them and the goldfish. After five to six months, the tank water level has dropped so low that the heater burns up and and now kills the solo seven-inch Placo by now. You try to sell the hard water stained tank on Craigslist for 300 bucks, saying I paid five when I finally got it. You finally sell it for 50 bucks, and the new owner ends up with a ruined tank gravel full of malaysian trumpet snails but a nice stand haha 97 percent of people that set up a, t- a tank do this but keep it up matt p.s i'm glad rob stopped saying bio t- uh, types instead of biotopes maybe someday there'll be a difference between a breed and a species for next yeah me and adam are gonna start doing something new next week and we're gonna do a fact check on rob's at the end of this podcast just to see what see what he messed up on wonderful <laughs> Don't worry, we have uh, listeners for that. If you ever listen to Dax, what's that podcast, Adam? Armchair Expert. Armchair Expert, Dax Shepard and stuff. And that's that's what his gal does to him at the end of the thing. They do a, a fact check and it's pretty hilarious. So check Dax out. He, he made $9 million last year on his podcast, which was $8,999,950 more than we made. Oofta. Yeah, I know. All right. Last one. We saved all the good questions this week. Hey, I'm Dusty Joe. I've always had a love for fish and found y'all's podcast and quickly become obsessed. 
when I was younger, 10 or 12, got my first aquarium, was a five-gallon I got, picked as catfish in an angelfish. I eventually upgraded to a 20-gallon, and my angels grew so fast. She was the only angel I had in the tank, and I never realized until now that the only reason she would lay eggs is because she was by herself in front of the glass, and likely that I had the temp just right, it offered and treated her with dried bloodworms. At that age, I thought it was so cool. She lived for quite a number of years, and even with my extreme lack of experience, let alone knowledge. Fast forward to 12 to 14 years to the current, I've recently gotten back into the hobby since being 15 or 16 years old. I've gotten a 60-gallon with an Eheim canister filter running, Amazon Swords, three Koi Angels, three Silver Striped Angels, four Honey Garamis, and five Green Cordy Catfish, and once again, I find myself obsessed. But my question is recommending on what you have to do to start a saltwater aquarium. I've just bought a 125 aquarium with a stand. That said, the stand doesn't have room for a sump due to the way it was designed. So I've gotten two Eheim canister filters that cycle 240 gallons per hour after head pressure. So it should cycle the entire tank approximately 3.9 times an hour. Theoretically, assuming I won't have any dead spots, of course. And also planning on getting crushed agonite for my substrate, along with lava rock with the intentions of eventually becoming a reef tank with fish. I was thinking of acclimating a few mollies to saltwater condition, being that they're brackish fish and relatively affordable to get with the nitrogen, nitrogen cycle started. The main fish I'd love to have in this tank is a porcupine puffer and an assortment of other community fish, including yellow tanks and clowns. What recommendations would you have for me to get started? I've seen videos online about reef information I'm looking for. Maybe I just can't get satisfied. Is there something that I need to know about before I get started? Yet, put them in the water as of yet is literally sitting empty in my den. I'm hoping to buy the substrate and a RODI filter to get started next week on my paycheck. Do y'all have recommendations? See any red flags? Anything I should absolutely know. So I'm going to pause there, and Adam is way saltier person than I. What would you recommend, Adam? First of all, live sand, not the crushed argonite. Oh, That is the only time that you will hear me recommend sand as an actual substrate. I know, that's because you're not nuts <laughs> like Rob's is. Yeah, and instead of using the black mollies, although I know that they will work, sailfin mollies will acclimate to pure salt water also. And they're, um, they're a lot better looking fish too. And yeah, they, they're and way prettier, and they'll pick at the algae. Right. Let's see what else. He wants to get a porcupine puffer? Yes. And how big of a tank is it? 125. Plenty of room. Yeah, but the problem with porcupine puffers, if I'm correct, every time you get them to inflate, I think they release poison. Really? I've never, into the tank? I've never heard that. I'm not 100% sure because I never really kept any of the, of the marine puffers, but I'm pretty sure that they release toxins into the tank when they inflate. You know, I've sold, and a, then, I've sold a lot of those over the years. I've never seen one inflate, actually. Have I've you? seen them inflate. I've never seen them inflate either. But that's usually when bad things are happening. Yeah. Send your so, inflatable questions to the Aquarium Guys podcast. <laughs> what else you got, Adam? Well, I'm just trying to think here. I also would definitely get a couple of power heads to make sure that you don't have any dead zones. Put a little bit of flake food when you have 
have the mollies in there. And then you can see wherever there's a dead zone in your tank. Uh, it's a nice little trick rather than using like methylene blue or anything else. I've heard of people using food coloring and that type of stuff. I mean, I like power heads just for the sake of canister filters do eventually plug. So even if you have flow correct, give it two weeks and, you know, it may be 50% plugged. And now you no longer have the same flow you did a little bit a while ago. Yeah. So you, you can't trust it where a power head is going to give you consistent flow on that spot ongoing. And and what I like about Adam's idea about the power heads is if you're going to be eventually putting corals in there, you need power heads just to uh, bring food to the corals and spend the extra little bit of money and you can get some of those uh, power heads that rotate back and forth. You can set them for... Those are really nice, yeah. yeah. You can set them for, you know, 80 degrees, 90 degrees, 130 degrees, however you want. But I totally agree with, with that. Uh, the other thing that I would do is put on a protein skimmer right away and uh, get yourself educated about salt water and don't skimp on good equipment because i mean if you're talking you're, you're spending fifty dollars a fish forty dollars a fish why are you worried about spending you know sixty dollars on, on a good power head and why are you spending you know ninety dollars on, on a good protein skimmer without the proper stuff you're just wasting your time and money and the the more fish or animals that you have in there, the more often you're going to have to replace the salt. And salt's not cheap, so you know, get ready to spend a little money on your tank. But they are a wonderful tank. And I'd almost think that you could put the hang-on-back filters instead of the canisters. Well, next question actually addresses that a little bit more. He keeps going on to say, Do many people say you absolutely can't use canister filters for a saltwater tank? But the main reason for that is you... You always see that it's too much work. I don't see that how it checks out to be too much work. They seem to be easy to maintain. I'm already accustomed to doing it for my freshwater community. It has four rather large trays for biomedia. Underneath the bottom tray, I was planning on putting ceramic discs to break up the gunk in the tank to keep the floss from stop getting extremely quick and a sponge to go over the intakes on both canisters. In the very bottom tray, I got polyfill, chemical-free, as a mech media and above the two trays are very porous biomedia one tray the very top prior to an additional floss filter so clearly he's stacking this whole canister filter with his own media choices he says i even use chemical help such as charcoal or zeolite except i can easily remove and administer medications i'm also planning on getting two heaters powerful enough to keep the tank around 78 degrees whether my next returns from each tank or by the intakes i'll just adjust and see whatever position maintains the best across the tanks thanks again dusty joe so you say even hang on the back filters will will do the job i'm not accustomed to speak to 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 salt you know i'm a plant guy so some tanks i don't even run any filters at all i just put maybe a sponge filter in a 60 gallon and kind of let it go so with salt there's a lot more requirements when you're having growth it's by animals in the tank as well which can create their own ammonia it's a it's a different world so yeah you said hang on the backs even right adam yep that's what i would use like they still make the emperor 400s yep yeah i'd throw like two or three i'd throw three or four of those on those are great filters they're damn near bulletproof um i use those in my store you can't get but i think three on the back of a 120 oh no you could do a 125 long you could do four of those yeah 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 i I don't think you're gonna ever 
overachieve there. I mean, I, I think the more filtration you have, the better luck you're going to have. Because like Rob said earlier, if one craps out, you have another one that's backing you up. Yep. And then a really good protein skimmer. When I had my seahorse pair, I had them in a 20-gallon high with a protein skimmer and a and just a sponge filter because they don't like the current. And they did really good with that. Especially with salt water. I mean, we should all be using uh, titanium, what do you call those? Grounding units. Grounding units. Yep. Be- because in salt water, salt water absorbs electricity much, much worse than regular water. And so if you've ever cracked a heater and you put your finger in the tank and you've gotten buzzed on fresh water, you're going to get knocked on your butt on salt water. We'll call this episode Questions and Ethics because we, uh, we have done a lot of questions so far. Keep them coming. We'll, we'll pause there. We'll do some more questions another time. Let's get into some ethics. So, Adam, ethically speaking, how should we proceed? I don't know. I just think that we should talk about... I just wanted to talk about this, like, basically because of the zebra muscle thing. Like, do if you know that there is something wrong with... Like, the Thunderdome tank that we had a few weeks ago. As a store owner, I did my best to try to sell my customers and give my customers what the right thing was for them so when i sold puppies i went out of my way to not find puppy mill puppies i went out of my way to make sure that the dog went with the person i had a customer that wanted to buy a parrot i had a pink cockatoo because she thought that the cockatoo would fit the decor of her house that is a it was a 1500 cockatoo and the cage and everything it would have been an over two thousand dollar sale she would have paid it But I told her no because of this. And then I said, if you want to buy it, read this up. I gave her a book to look through, told her all about the bird, and then she backed off. And that's why our animals get pulled. Exactly. You do the right thing because a bird will live 20 to 50 years, depending on what type of bird it is. I think that people get this conversation because I've seen some discussions, YouTube videos, some live efforts. And I think that the issue that people are doing is that we have the PETAs of the world. We have so much cancel culture that happens just in general on every facet of life that people are, especially nowadays, are so apt to point the finger at someone for doing the wrong thing. And in our hobby, above most other hobbies, we have an ethical responsibility to a live creature. And people don't respect it like that. So what we see is we see two problems. We see people that come in, just like we described on Doom to F- that Doom to Fail comment, he painted out perfectly you get a couple of everything and you're expecting that it's going to be so cool and so great but they didn't take a minute to realize the ethical responsibility that they would have to the fish and know that they're going to kill each other it's not going to be the right thing to do and you didn't do the homework to take care of that creature and you failed that creature which is why we have the outcries on the internet if you go to places like reddit you can't talk to people and ask questions because they're so shut out and so um, calloused to people abusing fish and not doing what's responsible to the creature. So you see people that say, no, you can't have a beta in anything but a you know 55-gallon tank. No, you can't even keep this certain, a certain type of fish because you know they're normally in an open ocean environment. And you see a lot of extremes going the other way, and they shut out people of the hobby. So that that's one facet. And then you have the, again, the facet we talked about, the people that, I just want a cool pet because I think it might be fun. That's a wonderful experience to go, but you have a responsibility that it's a live, living creature, and now you have to do what's best for that along with growing that passion that you feel, man, this would be fun to have some fish. 
And we're all, every person in content creation, every person within the hobby that has to cover this has to deal with this somehow. And now we're seeing on top of it, ethics in taking care of the environment with our hobby. Like we see with these zebra mussels, Jimmy, you pulled your moss balls off the shelf. There's different questions we have to continually ask ourselves and make the correct decision because it's our responsibility to do what's right for these creatures. So in doing that, I think we could all have some points on different things that we believe is ethically correct because of our research and responsibility. Yeah, it has been so, in this cancer culture, like you said, Rob. I like cancer culture. That it, that's hilarious. exactly what it feels like. I mean, I get it. I mean, we, we talked about it, uh, Adam and I talked about it the other day, the Walt Disney film, Song of the South. Now, that is offensive when you watch it. Now, back then, I don't think anybody caught on that it was offensive. But how much is that worth now, Adam, you're saying? Oh, I want to say that if you find a video tape, a VHS tape is worth like a thousand bucks. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. So Song of the South was in probably the 60s, I'm guessing, or the late 50s. And just the characters that are in there were all kind of... Oh, racist as hell. Racist as heck. <laughs> you know, let's take... Okay, let's, let's step it up to something you know, Rob. Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Right. And now they're doing another Space Jam. But who have they kicked off? Who have they kicked out? Michael Jordan because he's old? Michael Jordan because he's old. They got somebody else. I think it's LeBron. But uh, Mm -hmm. they kicked out Pepe Le Pew. Pepe (laughs) Le Pew is from Looney Tunes. He is the skunk that keeps falling in love with that black kitty cat. And he's always up there kissing on her face and going, ooh, Marie. And anyway, they kicked him off Space Jam because he he won't take no for an answer. (laughs) That's exactly what I read. So Adam and I had this conversation uh, over the weekend. One of my favorite Dr. Seuss books, If I Ran a Zoo, has been now taken out of print. And how many, how many Adam, did you say that they took out of print? Six. So they took six of the Dr. Seuss books out of print, and Amazon won't sell them anymore. And they all made it in the top 10 sellers last week on Amazon. But Adam, you were telling me, so you can't buy a Dr. Seuss book anymore on Amazon, but what can you buy? You, uh, It's actually eBay. You can buy Mein Kampf. By Adolf Hitler. Okay. Fun story. Just a, just <laughs> there, there is no fun Nazi stories. <laughs> no, no, not a Nazi story. So uh, me and my buddy, Dabby's been on the podcast, yes. actually. I went to West Virginia. We helped him with his uh, fish room. Dabby and I, back and forth for a while, we were getting each other books. So him knowing that I'm in the... Let's country- back up. You're getting each other offensive books. Well, it didn't start offensive, all right? He <laughs> I saw some of the cute. books. So he got me a book, says, how to teach your cat gun safety and other things it was cute because he saw that i had guns and that we're in you know an area that uh it's kind of pro gun right and you, so and you have cats he had to pick fun right and i have cats so he thought it would be a fun combination so then i sent him back images not to play with yourself to so then it downgraded from there and that's how i found out you can buy mine comp on amazon and found out that his mother opened it in west virginia so <laughs> uh, don't do that to your friends i did that um, this is a public service announcement. Don't buy your friends my comp. You know, I mean, I get it. I really do. But at, where do we stop? I mean, now on the Muppet Show, there's several episodes that come with a disclaimer. Uh, a lot of the Disney films are coming with, with disclaimers. I mean, they do that with uh, Dumbo, and that's on Disney Plus. And I get that one too. The cats on uh, Lady and the Tramp. Yep. All right, so that's that's like, you know, cancel culture for the sake of racism or some other ism. We're seeing this same trend happened in aquarium culture and it's been happening way before i'd say counterculture has really shifted into fifth gear one of our moderators bless his heart decided that he was going to go to a popular i'm going to keep the form name out of it a popular aquarium form 
and see how long it took him to get banned without doing anything offensive. So he decided to pretend to put himself into a position where he's a new fish keeper and says, hey, I really want an arowana. I think I have a 40-gallon tank to put it in. And he posted it. And not only did he get a response, no, you shouldn't do that. You should really consider something else. He never got that. He just instantly got permanent banned from the website and uh, privately messaged that uh, he should never keep fish. How <laughs> how closed and horrible of a community, this happens continually, was that? And that's not just one place on the internet. That's the majority of fish communities close you out instead of telling you, no, you shouldn't. There's no expl- explanation of why. Yeah, I mean... Where, where's the responsibility to teach someone else? Why are we not trying to bring in younger aquarium keepers, younger listeners, and teach rather than scold? And if you're a parent out there and all you do is scold, you reap what you sow or sow what they reap, however that goes. You know, if you don't treat your kids with respect, they're going to treat their kids with, you know, as a big a-hole as you are. Is what I'm getting at and stuff. So I don't know why we don't open our arms out to people. That's what we try to do with uh, new aquarium keepers and asking, you know, they ask some some questions that we think are, are pretty easy, but they're asking them for a reason. And why ridicule these people? So we can pick on some, some targets of ways that we believe aquarium should be responsible. And note that each person at this podcast, Adam, me, and Jimmy, all have different opinions on different responsibilities. So you'll get a touch of gamut. Number one I can go after is invasive species. That's pretty easy. You'll see that destruction of zebra mussels, invasive plants, like we have Eurasian milfoil here. Takeover lakes kill ecosystems, and it's a pretty big given. If you decide that, or hear news, so like the moss ball thing, that your stuff is infected, educate yourself. How do I treat that? How do I get rid of that? Where am I supposed to go to, to find that? That's a given. But also invasive species in your area. What was it last week, Adam? We talked about different species that are now propagating in Florida even more like the arapaima is now a big invasive species that are expecting it to take over some certain waterways in florida that was banned already but a fish keeper wanted to do it and there went into a lake we're talking about invasive species we did have a little bit of good news last week where i sent it to you guys i don't know if you read it the offspray the birds the, the offspray are making a huge comeback in florida because their main food source is apple snails, which is an invasive species in Florida and, and any southern state. And these birds are eating these apple snails by the millions. And now the birds have really turned around and they are coming back and breeding very well. So we got lucky there. Because, I mean, a lot of these times when, when you find out that there's an invasive species, we just bring in another invasive species to try to take care of that problem. You know, it's like, I got cats in my yard, so let's bring a dog in. You know, and the dog chased the cat away, and, and but now I got too many dogs in my yard so let's bring a cougar in i mean it's just ongoing <laughs> it's it's nutty so you see invasive species sure but then you also see non-invasive species where we're in minnesota what is a risk of tropical fish in minnesota they're not going to survive the winter there should be no harm no foul of dumping fish well that's absolutely incorrect those fish carry diseases they carry pests themselves and they can greatly affect waterways in minnesota what was it three years ago we've talked about it on the podcast a couple times where somebody just let off goldfish and completely eradicated all carp species from a lake. What if that would have been another species to kill all other fish in the lake? It can happen and has happened. You know, and then we've had people have released piranha, which will do havoc 
all summer long until winter kill and stuff. But we've had anglers who have caught piranha and going, what the heck do I got here? And you're going, it's a red-breasted piranha. And uh, pakus. And and they'll eat a tremendous amount of our local walleye babies and and different sunfish babies and stuff. And and those, that's how Minnesota makes all their their money tourist-wise is we have 10,000 lakes and we have the best fishing in the world. So we all have to take a responsibility to make sure we keep all these things out of our lakes, streams. And even, I was surprised when I read about the zebra mussels and how they can invade pipes in, in your home. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either until I read it. I went, holy crap, these things are indestructible. So when uh, the apocalypse comes, I guess I'm going to hide under some cockroaches and some zebra mussels. And hopefully Animals mussels and is on the menu for you. That's right. Yeah. No, the trumpets are going to be what comes and gets him. Yeah, trumpets nails. <laughs> I got a feeling when I die and, and people come to my funeral and stuff that everybody will come in with a handful of trumpet snails and just dump in my casket and giggle. I I know I am, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I don't. Even though you're going to outlive me. I will make me. sure that that does not happen. What's that? You'll make sure I it won't make happen. make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Everybody will come out and say, oh, Jim looks not so good. Why does he have a baggie of Coke in his left hand? Why does he have a blue ring octopus sucking on his face? Oh, Adam was here. No, that's his left nipple. <laughs> yes. Uh, so down the other uh, part of the list is... Uh, fish food we'll get into health later but specifically fish food and i think bigger ethics is not just the choices of food so your fish has the best life how it's ethically uh, maintained is a big uh, thing for people we're not going to argue the fact that you know meat is murder that's not the podcast where we're going to have here fish eat smaller fish that that's the cycle and if we have to propagate that in you know getting shrimp flakes having salmon put into fish food i'm not going to be the one to argue that i feel like that's that's perfectly uh, humane mon- uh, and mundane we eat uh, a lot of those same ingredients as a culture so if we're eating it and the fish are eating it i have i have no quarrels i'm not about to go there but if you're doing live foods People, I see so many people purposely see and add creatures to their tank just for the sake of watching the carnage because they find entertainment in that. I can't argue with the fact that watching a piranha bite into something with teeth that are razor sharp with no mechanics, like that's nature doing that, is impressive. Watching a shark go after its prey on Discovery Channel is absolutely entertaining. But you have a moral responsibility to treat that with as much kindness as possible. So if you have a fish that is a carnivore and you decide, which we don't really condone here at the Aquarium, guys podcast to take other fish as food because there's more nutrition value in other foods such as like massivore versus a goldfish you're going to get a balanced diet you're going to get vitamins added to it you're going to get way more out of a predator food than you ever will a goldfish but if it's one of the scenarios where the fish isn't eating uh it's a rare scenario where you have to do that don't just put it in because you want to watch it get mauled do it because you're feeding i've seen people put in bigger fish just to fight and wrestle we've heard stories in the podcast where it happens yeah it happens we understand the the moment or the uniqueness or the craziness of the story but we still have a moral responsibility not to do, put a jack dempsey with a piranha and see who wins you know it's usually the dempsey yeah 100 exactly. percent the dempsey <laughs> the I, I actually just had somebody give me a pair of dempsey's on friday and i brought them home and i gave them away on saturday and i just didn't want them in my tank because it's just one thing i'm more gonna feed but if you're one of those people out there that has 20 30 tanks which we like to call a nice start <laughs> Then something dies. I always had an Oscar. Somebody gave me an Oscar years ago, and I kept this Oscar in a 55-gallon tank by himself. And every day, if you've got 25, 30 tanks, if a fish dies, you can feed the dead fish to the Oscar. And I don't see any problem with that. And um, 
if nobody dies, then Oscar doesn't eat or he has pellets that day. So, um, you know, if you have the big uh, predatory fish in your in your big fish room and stuff, that's a good way of disposing the carcasses is what I'm getting at, rather than flushing. I keep snails for that. Yeah, malumpetrejan. Snails. Snails work a little slower than uh, one big old chomper, but they do the trick, too. Yeah, I mean, we had Charlie the Catfish for how long? Years. Rest in peace, sir. And he had a balanced diet, but he also was fed <laughs> what uh, what passed away. He's a uh, scavenger, and that was part of the uh, the circle of life. But you know, we've had uh, you know comments about our last story time episode Thunderdome, and we're there to tell stories because we've all been in those situations. You know, the how the struggle is. It's going to happen to other people as well. And you know, to share relatable situations, not condone the idea of those. In fact, you know, they've openly said on that podcast that that's not the uh, way to treat fish, and they were surprised they were even put in those situations to begin with. But know that the ethics of your taking care of the animal also has to do with the the stuff that you put in the tank with it that was beautiful adam what is uh, your views on uh fish longevity now i've had fish if they if you take very good care of them live for a very very long time it also depends on the size of the fish the longest fish that i've had well okay i have my inner group that i've saved and kept them going forever i know one of my green anoles uh, this is not a fish but one of my green anoles i had for i want to say eight or nine years and he was an adult when i got him he was huge he outlived like four girlfriends and then on the fifth one when that one when the fourth one died because all he did was breed he died after that but you got to give them their space and and that i mean i don't know what how to really say it any fish can live a long time like what's the average age for an oscar 25 i think there's a couple arguments on the longevity scale you have to ask yourself, what shortens a fish lifespan? Well, number heat. one, heat. Heat. Number two, breeding. How often they breed. I, I think that both of those are kind of incalculable. If you're going to have someone measure a fish by and say that you're shortening its lifespan by half because it bred, well, that's nature's intention on what should have happened with that fish. In nature, they have a shorter lifespan because food's more scarce, they have to fight for it, and they breed. They do what they're intended to do to pass on their genes to make another species. So if you're breeding a fish and it's healthy, happy, and its lifespan cut in half, I'm going to argue that that's not really going to be a good argument to say, oh, you're being cruel to the fish and shortening its lifespan. No. Nope. That's what it's intended to do. They're a happy, healthy pair. They live their life to the fullest and onward and upward. Heat. Most species, again, that you would have, such as like discus stuff that have high heat, are intended to keep that for that. But you can have species that in the textbook say 74 degrees, but yet they'd be comfortable at a 82. It will shorten their lifespan, but that's just because of how their metabolism goes. I wouldn't call that unethical either. It's the other ethical ones that we are concerned about, such as the longevity of keeping a fish that isn't supposed to be in a smaller container long term. Short term's fine. Jimmy and I have to move uh, a lot of different fish, uh, different stores. And Jimmy, how many neons do you keep in a 20? 20 gallon tank, I keep about 200. And how long do those 200 stay in your tank for? 10 days tops. 10 days at most two months. They're not going to be there for long. They're, they're kept short term and then they go to a permanent home. You know, and that's another, you know, ethic requirement. You know, even in my store, I sell neons up to a 50 count. So the more you buy, the cheaper they get. And I'll dump, you know, 100 fish in there. And I might have two customers that come in and grab 50 at a crack. 
But those fish seem to do so much better when they're in a, in a large group. So talk about ethics and whatnot. You know, we have the glowfish, which drive people insane. Oh, should we should we get right into modification since we've talked about longevity? Might as, as well. Might as well. And so the other day, I went down uh, to my store and I delivered fish. And I I purchased uh, 25 glow tetras and 25 glow danios. And these fish are not painted. They've actually been modified by DNA of say, a jellyfish for the redfish. And depending on how you look at it, I mean, you're looking at animals that have been bred who are a cheap, I mean, zebra daniels are cheap, retail-wise, and so are white tetras. And so there's so many different flip sides of this. I mean, they get these brightly colored fish that get young children excited and adults. But then you go, well, they're, they're red and they're green now. Well, that's the natural state. They'll actually, when they breathe, they'll pass it on to their, to their youngsters. So that's one flip of the coin. Other side of the coin, you got the, the ones that are dyed, where they're actually put in water like an Easter egg, and, and they're dyed. And I don't think that reduces the amount of longevity on those fish. But the ones that drive me crazy are the ones that are injected, which they don't do a lot of that anymore. But they would inject them with, with stuff underneath the skin. And that is totally wrong. What do you mean they don't allow that anymore? Well, you don't see it a lot anymore. I mean, when I first started the business 30 years ago, there's a lot of stuff that was injected. But like the fruit... And te- tattooed. And tattooed. But the fruit, oh, yeah. the fruit tetras that you see now, are all tissue absorbed but the ones I'm, I'm talking about too are the painted glass fish are actually taken out of the water and they'll paint a bright green stripe or bright red stripe on that and after three or four months that will come off and so they're just trying to take a, a cheap fish and to get more retail out of it so i mean there's so many different debacles that you can talk about i think that there's a standard that i keep myself to in modification for fish Number one, I didn't do it. That's not a good enough excuse, in my opinion. If you're going to get yourself a tattooed fish, well, I didn't do it, and he looks like he needs a home. A terrible excuse. You're supporting the industry that continues to do that. Someone's in the back with a paper and pen going, hmm, how many fish did I sell this week? Shit, I sold a lot of tattooed fish. You're supporting that to encourage them to get more in. The best thing you can do is not purchase that fish if you disagree with how it's being treated, how that fish is uh, being fed, how that fish is modified. Any of the environments, you need to stop yourself as a consumer and know that your dollar speaks more than anything else. So if you're a person that goes on YouTube and you can find hundreds of these videos, I saved a fish from Walmart. I hate those. Or I saved a fish from Petco. You're dumb. You're, you're, you're flat out dumb. And I, I don't even care if uh, people get offended by me calling them dumb for this. The entire idea that you're going into there, spending the retail prices and saying, I saved this fish, is completely maybe factual for that one fish. But you have promoted that same behavior to continue to go with your dollar. That's the worst thing you can do. You know, people can take anything and spin it to however they want it. And everybody has their opinion, which I have no problem with. I, I had somebody that stopped me and said, you know, I heard you on the podcast and, and you said you like the elephants at the circus and that's wrong because, you know, they put them in little tutu skirts and make them dance and stuff. And I go, you know, my theory was that if you don't ever see an elephant, you cannot fall in love with an elephant and then want to save an elephant. But here's the flip side. So she had her two little girls with her and i said you take them to dance class she goes yeah they hate it i said so you take your two little kids to dance class and you force them to dance and they don't want to do it yeah but they'll get to like it i go that's kind of the same situation as the elephant isn't it she wasn't impressed (laughs) (laughs) i compared her two little cute little girls to an elephant i apologize to her now but i thought you know there again i'm trying to were they kind of chubby no they weren't they're cute little kids did you give them a peanut no i did hey i should have done that if i had peanuts i would have 
I would have gave him this. Here's a peanut. But I mean, everybody can can make it their own. You know, I'm so sick of uh, people talking to me about politics or talking to me about the coronavirus shot. You know what? Make your own decision and, and do whatever you want, but don't try to convince me one way or the other because I don't have time and, and, and I really don't care. And I think a lot of people are like that. I mean, right. And when I was growing up as a kid, we used to watch the news and they would give you the facts. And now you turn on CNN, Fox News, and they give you their ideas or what they're opinions or their opinions or what they're promoting that day. You know, I mean, you know, CNN promotes this and Fox News promotes that and stuff and everybody can make it their own and stuff. I'm just saying grow set and become your own person and make those own decisions, but just don't hurt things in the process. All right. So I just made a list. I'm going to do this in politics because just to show how we may not agree, but at least you can understand our point and understand that no matter what we chose, right or wrong, we've definitely put some thought process into this. So number one, the the thing for modified fish, the category. We have things that are been bred to create certain species, such as the bubble eye goldfish, the flower horns of the world that are the modified freaks of nature. How do you feel on that, Jimmy? You know, I feel bad for bubble fish. I really do. Do I think they're cool? Well, they're cool as hell. You know, the, the people that are, are, are modifying these fish just to create, I mean, God's only putting so many different things on this earth. And when people can't sell any more of product A, let's take product A and make it into product B and C. I'm totally guilty of it. Glowfish. I sell glowfish. I'll be the first to admit it. And anyway, I have people that come in and go, I want one of every color. And that makes total sense because I had one gal that bought eight glowfish because she wanted two of every color, and I had four colors, and she bought eight Zebra Danios. So $64 retail in Zebra Danios and $72 in sales in Glowfish. And she was just tickled to death. And this was an adult who said, yeah, I'm just buying these. I, I think they're cool. I, I've done my research. I know how they do this and stuff. She was, I find that fascinating because I'm a science teacher. And, you know, we've been talking about cloning sheep in my class. She goes, so I'm buying these for my class. And then come summer, they're going to my aquarium at home. And, you know, so here's an educational type process. And um, they've invented something out of a cheap fish. And I keep saying cheap, but I mean, a white skirt tetra is relatively inexpensive. And now they're getting Mugo bucks for it. They spent millions of dollars doing this, and but yet, you know, she kind of made lemonade out of lemons. All right, how do you feel about not the glowfish, Adam? But how do you feel about species that are bred on purpose, like dogs that uh, are modified, such as the flower horns and the bubble eye goldfish of the world? I personally hate bubble eye goldfish and flower horns, but that's just me. I'm more of a purist. I like the I like natural looking stuff. That's just me, though. The bubble eye goldfish, though. You got to be careful. Like, as if I suppose if you're going to take care of, you know, put the special accommodation so the bubble eye goldfish doesn't get its eyes, the bubbles popped on its eyes so it goes blind. Yeah. I guess that's fine. Huh? The air sac, yeah. The air sac. And then I guess from talking to the flower horn guy, we had, he had, you have to be really careful not to get those horn, those flower horn, the, the cock. Laugh all you want, Robs. You have to make sure that doesn't get infected, right? I mean, we've all been there, right, Adam? <laughs> Wow. Some people more than others. Hey. Wow. All right. I'm going to take the opinion. Wow. That's going to piss some people off. Give them your home address. Like dogs, when you breed these, you as a breeder have a responsibility to try to make the best fish you can. And that may be a modified fish. Not modified with, say, injecting the fish, but modified by a breeding association. So how do you think we have the pug? The pug is a fun creature, but it has a lot of breathing issues because its nose is crushed in along with uh, a lot of reproductive issues because it's such a weird shapen creature. This happens all over. If you get a purebred mastiff, they have bone diseases that are common yeah. just because of how they're bred. So as a breeder, yes, 
you have an obligation to make your unique color, variety, size, and shape. But you also have to take the responsibility as a breeder coming up with these fish and saying, is it correct to have a fish like the bubble eye have a nice modification, but is there a safe way that it will have a healthy and happy life? And then if you're seeing that, that it's not, you need to find a way to use breeding as your skill set to try to repress that gene, to try to make a better fish. And we've seen that with a lot of different species. Goldfish are the easiest ones to pick on. We've seen arandas that come out with massive tumors and a lot of not necessarily inbreeding issues, but just crossbreeding issues that have been bred out to make pure, better strains. So that I leave in the responsibility of the professional breeders to take and say, you know, bubble eye goldfish, not probably the greatest thing to do, but I bet there will be a bubble eye goldfish that maybe has a solid sack. Uh, maybe doesn't have the you know swim bladder issues it has. And eventually we'll get there. Until then, like the flower horn, I know that flower horns are happy and healthy. They're they're a weird creature. They're that type of fish is not in nature. I love it to death. I think it's you know, go for it. Just do it with the ethics of the fish's happiness that it can live a happy lifespan all intact when you're doing this. And a good quality life. You know, I mean some people talk to you about modifying and I don't my personal thing is I don't think you call this modifying. There the other day I was looking at, at fancy guppies online. I love guppies. I counted a hundred and seventy-two different varieties when I was looking at these different colors of, of that. And I think they're all the same fish, just different colors, you know. And to me that's not really modifying. That's just like having a, a litter of puppies that are different colors and whatnot. But when you start modifying such as goldfish, when you get into Ryukins, and what are the little ones that you love so much? Those little footballs, the little cows. Oh, there, there's a special uh, special ranchu. Ranchu. That's black and white. and I just love them. They literally look like when you have a big group of them in a pond, they're like your pasture with cows. It's the coolest thing. You know, and, and, there, and there's a fish that they've developed, you know, that, that has no top dorsal fin and has got a short little butt and tiny little tail. But they're the cutest goddamn things ever, you know. So it's each your own, I guess. You know, make your own decisions, but educate yourself. Don't believe everything you read on YouTube. Question from one of the listeners. Rob's, how about teacup or other short body fish? I'm going to dress teacup on the head. Teacup is a shitty marketing attempt most times when you hear the word teacup. If you're if you're getting it from a, a dog breeder, well, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you have created a strain of dogs that is half the size that could actually be teacup. In fish, that is not how this stuff works. If you're getting a teacup stingray, that's someone selling you a reticulated stingray that's an asshole. And the, it's just a small baby. It's, it's Yeah, you're getting it at a small size, but trust me, it's not going to stay there, and if you're putting it in a small tank, that fish will... Its organs will outgrow it, killing it and shortening its lifespan. That's how, how fish work. What about the bat work. ray people? That's on the list. It's on the list. So we'll just go to short body. I don't have a problem with short body as long as it keeps to the same process when you're breeding. Is it going to live a happy and long life? Can you use that weird gene modification and still have a fish that lives a maximum lifespan or longer uh balloon mollies i used to hate them hate them all the time because they would have problems with pregnancy they continually miscarriage or die during uh, birth they would have half the lifespan mass amounts of uh, drops or uh, swim bladder issues and sometimes they would be tumorous that i have bred a bunch i have yet to have that happen in the last uh four years the strains that i have last longer than my normal mollies. They eat well, they breed well. I actually have more babies out of a couple of my balloon females 
So I feel like that is a short body example. A balloon molly can have good strains and I have no problem with it. I mean, just l- let's talk about human beings. And w- when you have small people, dwarfs, and I mean, unfortunately, they they most of them have a shorter lifespan. Okay, can somebody help me? If you're listening to the podcast and you're, we use the term little people and dwarf because we all watch TLC and someone told us that's the appropriate term. Every time I hear dwarf, I think that you're a bearded person holding an axe on Lord of the Rings, right? When I hear midget, I think you're that sweet ass comedian. Or was that Brian? I can't remember his name. You're telling jokes. You're the coolest human being on the planet. And you're also three foot tall. So help me out with this. Is is that really the thing we can't say, Midget? I've, I've been told a lot of things that you can't say anymore. And that is one word that I've been said that, that people say you cannot say that word anymore. And so, I, Like how I said it and you're not. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> you know. It, it's just ridiculous, the, the things that, that offend people. I mean, not ridiculous. I get it. Brian Williams. Amazing. Brian Williams is hilarious. Brian Williams is an extremely talented little person that crushes normal comedics. Like, he's just literally probably top three comics of all time in my book. Yep. But, yeah. but back to their health, I mean, they, ha- they, they don't live long, unfortunately. Really? I know nothing about little people. I mean, they they have a lot of health issues and stuff. I was up at Adam's store 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And Adam lived in a small town, or not a small town, it was the town of Grand Rapids, Minnesota, which is famous for Judy Garland was born there. And if you don't know who Judy Garland is, the girl from The Wizard of Oz. And I was sitting, I delivered to Adam, and what do they have up there, Adam? Is it Judy Garland days or something they have? Yeah, we have Judy Garland days. Yeah, we're, and I think her daughter comes in and some of the... The actors that played in uh, the Munchkins, the Munchkins, yeah, yes. And I was I went to Hardee's, which was just down the street from Adam, and I, I went in. I had a, a two hour and fifteen minute drive home, so I, rather than than try to eat a burger and drive with my knee, as most of us do, I decided I was just going to go take a break. And I, I sat in there, and in walked one, two, three little people. Here's the weird thing: I kind of recognized the one, and here they sat in right was next. Was it Brad to Williams? No, it was the mayor of Munchkin City. <laughs> And his wife. So they were old. Yes. And all three of them lived to be a very long time because I I got to uh, visit with them for a little bit. And uh, they lived a very, very long life. But for the majority of all that cast from The Wizard of Oz, they all kind of died in early life, uh, which is unfortunate. But it was really cool talking to them. They were there for the parade and stuff and just shared a lot of great stories and stuff. And I'll, I'll always smile when I think about that. But, you know, unfortunately, he said, you know, we're three. I think at that time, he was three out of the nine that were still alive from that movie. So what you're saying is think of what the weird, unique genes can do. Correct. So now you gave the example of how humans with different sizes have different lifespans. In fish world, we can compare like an albino species, right? That They have the whole pink eye, the whole pigment loss. Poor eyesight. Right. Like a Corydora. You take a bronze Corydora and a albino. Which one's going to live when you unbag them, Jimmy? The bronze or the green? The uh, Always. Always. The, uh, if something's in a crap first, it's always the albino species because they're just not as hardy. Can they be kept correctly? Can they have a happy and healthy lifespan? Yes. But do your research on top of it to know what you've got in this whole modification conversation. Yeah, we used to call it an indicator. And the same as in mixed fantail goldfish. If you have red fans, calico fans, and black moors, if you're going to have issues with those fish, the black moors are the first one to die. And as soon as you start losing black moors, you better do water changes, do water tests, because they're just genetically the weakest just like the albinos. All right, so now we, we've crossed that. We can go, and we've talked a lot about the genetically modified, such as the glowfish, where are done in a laboratory from birth. There's no modification to the fish. We've proven that genetic modification of those fish 
they don't have a shorter lifespan because they're glowfish. It just doesn't. Um, that's been pretty much the case across the, uh, the gamut, more or less, with the glowfish that we've seen. And I'm not against it. I uh, don't think that those fish should be let out into the wild. I don't think any fish that's been kept in captivity really should be let out in the wild, honestly. Um, unless it's a program reintroducing an extinct species. You know, I think that's uh, definitely a need. But I have zero issues with genetic modification of fish as long as they keep to that same gamut. You know, and the reason they've done this, once again, is just to bring in a younger crowd, which we need to do because our whole world of aquarists are just getting older by the day. And we need to bring in fresh blood to continue this wonderful hobby of ours. If it's basically legal in most of the states to genetically modify your kid in the womb to make sure that he has a certain eye color or to make sure that he... He has uh, genes that are assessed that may cause cancer or, or diabetes. There's no reason that we can't make a fish red and have a completely long and happy life as well, is my opinion. But I didn't think that was legal, Robs. Uh, it is. There's now like three states that have found small loopholes in doing this. You can't just go in and say, I want a six foot tall kid, but you can, you know, try to use gene repression to stop cancer and other things that might be uh, hereditary. That's uh, a big thing happening now. And in other countries where they don't have the complete laws of the United States, they move that out to other countries. But it's happening more and more is the, uh, the issue in gamut. What country is it? Is it China or is it Japan where they only allow you to have two children or only to have? I don't remember. It was it China was, only allowed you to have one, and now they're trying. They're saying that you can have more than one because they're realizing that they're in for demographics destruction. Yeah, I mean, weird. And, and it's just just sad that you've got governments making decisions for people like that when when uh, you can have a family of of four beautiful children and just have a large wonderful. Happy family. So that's why you got to go to the United States, where they won't tell you that you can't, but they just make it unaffordable. <laughs> that's right. Make it unaffordable. And if you don't listen, we're going to give you a COVID test and a COVID shot and a Labradoodle. All right. Adam died in injected fish. Oh, I hated him. I never even carried him in my shop. Ask Jim. He tried to sell them to me all the time. I hate him as well. We see different species, and even like some of these new pet store owners. I had a buddy of mine message me, "Hey, I got this sweet strawberry arowana come in." I'm like, "Strawberry arowana? You know what that is, right?" They have two processes. They either take a baby arowana and they use a bleach compound, and they dye color into it so it has this like pastel reddish color. Or they take the eggs and inject them at a a young age, which they don't have a large success rate doing that. So dipping is the most appropriate process for a dyed fish. Oh, I didn't know that. I had no clue. Well, certainly, I mean, it's up to you. It's your pet store. Educate your customers about that if they ever ask. I mean, it's, it's your call. But now you know and you can make the choice given the responsibility. You know, bowing to peer pressure, one of my stores said we're never going to have glowfish. We're never going to have, you know, the painted glass fish. We're not going to have the fruit tetras. But in order for them to compete against the big box stores, after about seven or eight years, they finally said we're going to have to carry them because they'll, they'll come in, ask for them, and then turn around and uh, go over to go over to the big box store and, and pick them up. And she goes, so I, I lose all the extra sales because you know she goes, I want to sell you fish, but I want to sell you fish food. I want to sell you a net. I want to I want to you know stay solvent so I can keep my store open. So unfortunately, a lot of these stores are just kind of you have to bow to peer pressure. Myself, I love the fruit tetras, you know, that are blue and, and orange and all the different colors, but they're like, a, like I, I compare it to being colored like an Easter egg 
I have stained my hands blue several times, methane blue, and they'll stay blue for three, four days, and people call me Smurf. But to me, that's not half as bad as the people that inject stuff into the fish, and that, that I can't stand. So there's a couple different methods, like the arowana. They have a pretty rigid scale combinations, so they use a bleach compound. What Jimmy's referring to is how a lot of wholesalers used to argue a lot of these dying, uh, dying fish. Now they just don't care. They're, just, they're not even trying to make an argument. But they used to say that some of the processes were literally the same as putting food coloring in, and some of the fish happened to absorb it. It was essentially the same lines of dye. And some fish species, it can work that way, but it's mainly due to juicing with food. They put certain additives in the food, and it's mainly using like a red krill, and that gives a lot of color boost to the fish. And sometimes even can have fish uh, modified in color. But all of these dyed fish, juiced fish, and all of that, all generally fade in color as they age. Look at all the, the peacock cichlids we get from overseas that are hormoned, which Rob called juiced. They're all juiced. And uh, they come in, and they're the most beautiful colors, and they, they give them these hormones, which kind of get them in breeding colors. And it lasts three, four weeks, and they kind of go right back to their normal color. Just enough time to sell them. Right. Gone. Last one that Adam had, physically modified. This one is the one that angers me the most. And if you haven't heard of this, I don't. the faint of heart, don't Google this. That you can find, uh, like Adam said, the batfish. You can find multi-finned, even... Arowana, you can find it's stingray are I guess are really common that they're they're done. So what they do is they take a normal healthy stingray and they cut patterns into its edges of its fin, whether it be circles or points or what they do to modify some of the reticulated stingrays is they cut massive gouges out and it makes them look like what they call a batfish, which I don't understand. It's like what a Batman pattern they're cu- cutting into a, a stingray. Absolute animal cruelty at the at the worst regards. I've seen other fish being modified where they cut their fins into three pieces and they grow with scar tissue to try to have this unique swimming pattern. Horrible, horrible shit. Yeah, it's basically mutilation. That's is that one hundred percent mutilation mutilating fish for designer purpose. Now I've had people that have come up to me in my store and go, "These crown tail bettas, why are why are they taking these crown tail bettas and and shredding their fins? That is natural. That's just the way that they're bred. So, crown tail bettas are definitely. Uh, not mutilated. That's just the way they, they, they grow. So don't freak out about them. There's a bunch of them. And thank goodness we kind of keep at uh, keep at modification. Or what they like to put as modification, we put as mutilation of fish. It isn't nearly as common as uh, you would assume. But still, like especially with stingray, the designer stingrays with all their different edges. Oh, no, they grow like that. Nope. You took either a branding uh, iron or cut them and then branded them after the fact so uh, cauterize the wound to keep to maintain a scar on a stingray. You know, another word to describe what they do is if you've ever seen some of the Aborigine people like a National Geographic and they'll take um, really sharp sticks and they'll sit there and poke and pull on this on their own personal skin to give it a raised i almost say it looks like braille on on their backs and and to adorn themselves and they talk about how painful it is for them to do it on themselves and stuff and and but now you're doing it to a a poor fish it's just ridiculous why they would do that and i I even watch these aboriginal people go why would you do that to yourself but they're they, they are making themselves more beautiful for their spouses or their wives that's the way they feel that's their cultural preference and I get that too, but I mean, I've got friends who've got permanent eyeliner to try to make themselves more beautiful. 
there's all kinds of crazy things that people will do. What do you call that? Lip injections that, that a lot of women do. Botox. Botox. You know. That's another thing on fish. As you said, Botox. Oh yeah, uh, kiss or, kissing fish. They they Botox them. Really? No, no you dumbass. Uh, but they actually <laughs> do do <laughs> injections. Past them at this point. <laughs> they have done injections. I haven't seen it in a long time, but they used to do injections in certain fish to give them bulges in certain areas, just so they have a different like pattern. What? You wouldn't have the fish for six months. It would it would pass away, but that's another thing that they uh, I've at least seen in the past. I haven't seen it in a long time, thank goodness. I I've hope never that's seen gone it. forever. It's interesting. I think that does it for uh, fish modification, but horrible stuff. You know, I always keep it the rule of thumb: Do they live a long and happy life? Is it going to affect them in breeding, swimming, eating, and go from there? And did it cause pain to the fish? That's why I'm you know genetic. Uh, that's why special breeding i'm not uh, necessarily against it just has to be done in responsible ways the last one which we've kind of encompassed with all of our topics is health ethics in health is i think the most crucial if you have a fish and you decide that you're going to take that fish put it into an aquarium that's too small for it you're going to overfeed it you're not going to give it proper needs like for instance you'll see different uh, puffer fish that need to have snails uh, clams, different things to cut its beak, different diets. That's the real key in how to get better and better at the hobby every day. That's why we do this is because we're trying to es- essentially take our cube and replicate a healthy, happy environment for that fish. Whether it be completely recreating the bottom of their natural habitat or making one that certainly adapts the fish that might not be so natural in the first place. There's nothing wrong with taking a SpongeBob figurine and putting it in there as long as that SpongeBob figurine isn't taking away from the requirements of that fish or creating a negative environment for that fish. In fact, most of those toys uh, really do create wonderful habitats. I'm looking at a PVC pipe sitting in the bottom of my aquarium just because, one, it functions as a trap for me to catch hundreds of Placos, but two, I leave it in there because it really does uh, give a place for tiny babies to hide uh, from all the other activity in the, the tank. So... Do your homework on every species. Watch fish. Uh, watch your fish's health, not only for its feeding habits, but teach yourself every day to become a better fish keeper so you can own the responsibility and proudly say that uh, you brewed a friend in your tank. That was sweet. I just keep, every time I say that, I think of that like 1950s like weird cartoon where the guy, Mr. Lumpet, Mr. Limpet. Mr. Limpet. Mr. Don, Limpet. Don Knotts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's just creeps me out. Uh, Scrap, what do you got, man? I don't have a whole lot. I mean, as a new fish keeper, uh, relatively, uh, started about a, over over a year ago. And then now, you know, once I, since I became editor of this thing, I've learned so much from you guys that it's more or less I've learned from everyone else's mistakes, though I've made my own uh, over time. So I'd say... Yeah, I've tried to keep fish in bowls and things, and they not do well. I've kept fish in bowls that do do well. I said do do, <laughs> but you said do do. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's a matter of giving them the environment and understanding. If you have your basics down, like understanding your cycle and understanding your basic requirements of the fish and stuff, and like like you guys started out saying, don't go out there and try to get some monster fish right off the rip. I mean, you might get lucky with a catfish and have have him live and not be able to, you know, not even know he's there. But at the same time, you might not get so lucky and have a funky smell in the corner one day. So, <laughs> yeah, we're not the, we're not the people saying what you can and can't have. We're the people that try to give you the tools to make an educated decision. So, if you want to actually buy a Paku, 
you better have a thousand gallon uh, tank or a pond and wear a mullet. That's right. <laughs> Shout out to Big Rich. So yeah, definitely do your homework and learn from everybody else's mistake. It's just much cheaper, easier, and less painful. Be ethical because it's a responsibility you owe to the fish, responsibility you owe to new fish keepers, and the hobby in of itself to stick around and become better as we all grow together. Now, I don't know if you saw it up there that one of our listeners went, you can't say the word that you said that we have to call them little people. I, I did. I did. Did you that. see that? I feel like that. And is, so you were schooled. They also are upset because I didn't mention Wee Man. I don't know. See, I can go up Brian Brian Williams because I know he's a fantastic person of his art. Wee Man, I guess, is a is a skilled profession of his art as well. But that art just happens to be you know shitting in public, chasing obese men down the road with in a diaper. Is, is he not? Not my forte is the little person to be a great example. Yes, but I see he could be a great guy. I don't know. I think he's dead. Are you serious? I think we man. Yeah, we man's dead. I think. We man's dead. Um, Mini me from the Austin Powers films. He's passed away. We man can't be dead. Got a great story about Vern that was Mini me. One of my friends was at a club where women take off their clothes, and We man was up on stage on his scooter, causing chaos <laughs> in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We man is not dead, you jackass. We man not dead. Really? No. You got me though. But Josie is gone. Kid Kid Rock's who's, Josie. Who's Josie? Kid Rock's sidekick. I need to know little people culture. Clearly, I don't know half these uh, famous people. So Kid Rock has Josie, right? Is that am I right there, Scrap? Was it Josie? I think he has passed away. I I think I remember the name, but I'm not familiar enough with. Uh... You would remember the song that that he sings with uh, Kid Rock. So, but yeah, unfortunately, just yeah. because I'm younger than you doesn't mean I know everything about being a kid. About Kid Rock, come on, he's from Michigan. <laughs> he is from Detroit. Yeah, yep. shame. What else you got? Anything else uh, that we uh, need to talk about and cover about uh, ethicalities there, Adam? No. I mean, I would just go by the golden rule, whether you have a business or treat treat other people how you'd like to be treated and do your best to be an ambassador. Give people room to make mistakes. Yeah. That's what I would say to do. Give people room to make mistakes. The next unless time... you absolutely know that they're going to make the biggest mistake ever. The next time but you, you decide to go to on a form... <laughs> And yell at a, at a child because he put a beta into a gallon container. Just kindly step away from the keyboard, all right? Yeah. Unless you're going to have to say something constructive to help him in his hobby. Yeah. It's okay to be nice to people. You don't have to be a dickwad on frickin' internet. We're looking at you, Reddit. There we go. All right, guys. If you like what you listen to on the podcast, go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com. On the website... Heck, in the show notes, give us a tip. You know, keeps the lights on. Uh, if you want to sponsor the show, you know, get some, uh, message us. We'll do some fun stuff. You know, Jimmy will take his shirt off and no, paint. No. I'll paint on your shirt, no, on your won't. stomach. No. Well, no. regardless, we're open to ideas. And, uh, you know, support our current sponsors. I don't think you help keep us lights on as well. You sure no body paint, Jimmy? No. No, you're not painting me. <sighs> All right. Well, we'll talk about it. All right. You Until- can probably- Probably do some piercings or something. But Oh, <laughs> until next time. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. You can never trust the Ukrainians. Oh, anything. yeah. Let's make them mad now, Adam.